Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to today's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. We're so thankful that you've joined us for today's episode. And uh, before we even get to our conversation, I want to remind you to go over and subscribe to our podcast. We don't want you to miss a single episode. You know, what we do each and every conversation, each and every episode, is uh, we want to bring you a conversation, a story, uh, introduce you to a leader that helps encourage and equip you to lead in the local church. And we have a blast doing this. Uh, whether it's just Andy and I talking or we're talking to a leader we think you should know, we have a lot of fun doing this and we hope that you enjoy the podcast as well. And we would encourage you and uh, we would actually be so thankful if you would share this podcast with other people. You can share it on social media, uh, text somebody, however you want to do it. But uh, we were thankful that our podcast nation is growing and you're continuing to invite others to be a part of what God is doing here. So today's conversation is going to be a little bit different. We don't have a third uh, person on the podcast. We're continuing our really ongoing conversation about what we didn't learn in seminary, that series that we've been doing really uh, every every few episodes the last several weeks and months. And so we're going to continue that conversation today with something I believe is going to help you and encourage you as a pastor or as a church leader. Maybe you're like us. The older you get, you're not amazed at how much you know, but how much you don't know. That's exactly right. And there are a lot of things that we don't know that we don't know when we're in school. And uh, we're thankful for formal theological education. We are so glad for those who have invested in our lives and seminary and ongoing education opportunities we have to learn for some great people. And and listen, we learn so much here on the podcast. We know uh, this is meant to help encourage and equip uh, you as you watch and listen, but this this is as beneficial to us as it is to anybody. That's exactly right. But, but like you, there are a lot of things we didn't learn and maybe we wish we would have learned while yes. we were in, in seminary, uh, getting that good solid training. That's right. And there are so many topics that we could we could discuss and talk about. Some of them we could go on and on about. Some of the things we probably could have a two-minute conversation and be done with <laughs> about uh, but one of the things we're going to talk about today is kind of a pain point that a lot of us in the local church who are leading the church deal with, and that is how do we hire the right person for our church? Right. I don't know about you. I never had uh, hiring staff 101 in seminary. I no. never had that 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 class, never had the, read the book, never was introduced to the person who was the expert who guided us through the process in seminary. No, that, that wasn't anywhere to be found. And again, I, I'm going to agree with Andy this this whole series about what we didn't learn in seminary it's certainly not to diminish or dog you know formal education because we believe in that um, you know one of our sponsors here at the podcast is is all about that and so um, I've been to three different seminaries and and I've loved every one of them and so we wholeheartedly uh, you know endorse uh, getting formal training however, no system is perfect, that's right. and there's no such thing as a perfect education. And there's only so much you can way. learn that's in the classroom right. That's right. as well. So. You're going to learn more yeah. on the job, yeah. OJT, right? That's right. Uh, hands-on experience. And this is one of those things where we really do wish there was some way for, uh, for seminaries or for us to have learned this 
in seminary uh, how to hire the right staff. Because, uh, and, and look, we're going to go ahead and admit, as Andy has already said, we've learned really more about this by doing it the wrong way. Uh, and finally, we believe God has kind of helped us understand how to do it the right way. And so, uh, you know, typically when we say the wrong way, there, I guess there's no wrong way or right way biblically, but I guess in terms of results, we've done it the wrong way a few times. And, um, you know, the typical approach for any church, if they're bringing in a pastor, is to, you know, form a search committee, pulpit committee, however you want to call it, and uh, then they pour over hundreds, sometimes even thousands of resumes, and they pick the ones that they like the best, and then they contact them. And maybe they have an interview. These days, it's probably a Zoom interview at first. Uh, and then they have an in-person interview, and they boil it down to the top three, and maybe the top one, and then they bring that person in and, and have a, a lengthy discussion. Maybe, you know, they give them a tour of the campus and things like that. And then they make the decision and bring that person in for a view of the call. Mm -hmm. And uh, they preach kind of a trial sermon, however you want to call that, uh, sermon in view of a call. And then they make the decision. The church votes, right? And so here's what's happened. Sometimes they have a reception the night before to, to meet and really get to know the pastor. So what happens is they have created a blind date situation, mm -hmm. right? And, I mean, I've been hired that way. And it's where two groups of people, the church, the pastor, and his family, do not know one another. They've had one date, and they decide to get married. I mean, that's really what happens. And then uh, that, that does not work, by the way. That mm -hmm. does not work. It can, it can work just like a, a, squirrel can, a blind squirrel can find a nut every now and then, but it just doesn't work. And, and then on the other side of that, as a pastor or as a church, bringing in other staff, mm -hmm. which is probably more common, um, you know, even if it's bivocational or part-time staff or, or whatever that looks like, even volunteer staff, typically we try to do the same thing, right? We look at resumes, we post a job, we scour over the resumes, we bring some people in for interviews, and we decide out of that who to hire. And again, same situation. Is it any wonder that we have so much turnover in our churches yeah. and bad experiences? So we believe that's what we've done before, mm -hmm. and a lot of churches do, but there's probably a better approach. Yeah, I mean, we were blessed uh, several episodes back to have uh, William Vanderblumen on. And if you're familiar with him at all, his agency is the number one agency in probably the world, yeah. but definitely in, in the United States for helping evangelical churches find and make matches with potential uh, lead pastors or staff members. But what we've found is in the average church, the the, the church that's 250 or less, that process looks a lot different than it does for a church that has 1,500 people. That's right. And many times that blind date that Mark's talking about, it comes based on some inside information. Somebody in the church, more times than not, has a connection to a potential candidate. It's you know somebody's neighbor's nephew that they know that graduated seminary or somebody that served you know, in the area a while back or whatever. So there's generally some kind of connection. I would say the majority of the time, not all of the time. So that blind date has a little bit of uh, maybe uh, uh, information that's that's being exchanged prior to the official date. Yeah, yeah if, we're, if we're talking so, about dates, you've been yeah, set up. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, so somebody's <laughs> setting you up here. That's right. And here's the thing about this whole process. You've probably been there. We've been there. Uh, we've been in situations where we've interviewed with potential churches and realized it wasn't a match. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and maybe churches have turned you down, like I've been turned down several times, where I thought maybe something was moving forward and they just they went with somebody else. But I think a lot of the issue involved in this whole process of whether it's you're the candidate searching for a church or whether you're the one who is helping the church fill a staff position or a key leadership position is to be really honest. Because one of the things we found is uh, candidates and churches don't represent themselves in a 100% candid, honest way. They kind of misrepresent themselves and make themselves look a little better than they actually do. Obviously, you want to stand out. You want your church to... Uh, be a church that somebody is attracted to, but most of the time there's a little little information that maybe they're holding back. There, maybe, yeah, there may be a yeah. bit of uh, embellishing yeah. of resumes well, or experience and some uh, not so uh, transparent communication. Yeah, I, grew about, up, I grew up on a farm and my dad taught me early on that horse traders are a lot like car salesmen. Uh, they may not be 100% honest with you by lying to you, but they're not going to be 100% honest with you because they may withhold information that right. might have been helpful. Yes. And I tend to believe that happens a lot on the church's side. Maybe yes. there are things that you're scared to share with a candidate that it might it might cause that person to to you know turn turn away and run and, right. and go somewhere else. But I think it's good to be honest. But I think the pain point we're talking about earlier is how do we find the right persons maybe this whole process of the setting up a blind date, maybe that's not the best way to go about things. That's right. Maybe we should kind of step back and look at our whole process for uh, looking at the the position itself that we're wanting to fill, but also who would be a good fit for that. That's right. I think I'm a proponent for actually turning the process completely on its head. And I believe there's a better approach. We believe that there's a better... um, process involved for everybody. When we say that, what we mean is we believe churches can approach the process uh, completely differently and candidates also. But I'll tell you this, you know, just from experience, if a church doesn't change their approach, the candidate's not going to change their approach. That's right? right. If the church is going to be withholding, the candidate's going to be withholding. Mm-hmm. Candidates, you know, just not going to be completely honest because that process looks the same, you know, as it has been. So, um, so what Andy and I are going to share, we're not by any means saying we have all the answers and that this is the perfect process or anything like that. What we're going to share is, from our experience, what we found to be genuinely effective, successful, and honestly encouraging and uplifting in a different approach to bringing staff in the church. Yeah. Uh, let me just start by saying this more. Um, the church is not just a nonprofit organization that needs a CEO or that needs uh, a corporate leader or that needs a manager. Uh, the church is Jesus' body, mm. and we need people who are disciples and who are committed to making disciples. So my greatest encouragement to you in this whole process, no matter how you want to go about it, is to look at character over competency. Mm. I think having the experiences that I've had and the experiences that you've had and most of us have had, that you can work towards helping someone become more competent in an area that you want to to put them in and place them in leadership. But you can't build character. Hmm. Uh, Character is either there or it's not kind of a thing. So look at somebody who's got this ongoing, growing relationship that's fruitful, 
with Jesus that's got a it's got a handle on how to lead and disciple their family, and that's got some kind of track record of not just being evangelistic or not just you know leading a small group well or leading in a church well, but just has this ongoing reputation of how they deal with people in general. Yes. That the character is there because I promise you, uh, you can have somebody who is. I mean, just through the roof has potential and competency and all of these abilities and has a padded resume. But if they don't have the character to match, that is destined to fail. It's going to hurt right. you. It's going to hurt your church, and it's going to backlash even on them. So we can give multiple examples of that. But that's right. I think there's a way to approach just about any way you want to hire a staff member or a key leader, uh, as far as the process or the yeah. strategy. But I think number one is to look at character. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, if you think about it in terms of, you know, athletics, you would say a coach is looking for people with those intangibles because you can always coach them up, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the way it is with with people we bring on our staff team, whether they're volunteer staff, part-time staff, full-time staff, you know, you can you can always coach those people up in skills, like Andy said, but but absolutely character matters. And so, just an example, right now our church is looking at a very, very, very part-time position, um, uh, kind of an intern type position, and and so what we have would done is we've kind of created uh, what we desire, and character is all in that, no skill mm-hmm. at all. And what we're looking for is pe- someone who who is kind of a shepherd of people mm. and loves people first and foremost. Of course, somebody that follows Jesus and is committed to making disciples. But uh, we want somebody who loves people. And, and that's what we want, and, and we can fit the skills in after that. And so in that process, I would say after you, you decide that character is going to be first and look for those intangibles, um, I would even say back up a bit and say, okay, well, are we hiring the right position? Because part of the problem, I think, is we just hire positions because it's what we've always done. Right. You know, oh, we need a youth guy, or we need a student person, or we need a, a children's person, or we, you know, whatever. Well, maybe think outside the box and think creatively in terms of, okay, uh, where our church is, where, where do we want our church to be, mm-hmm. and what's, what's the missing part here? What's the gap that needs to be filled? Or, better yet, who is somebody that's, that's got the character in our church already? Who's somebody that is stepping up already, and what are they gifted to do, and can we bring them on our team? Yeah, I think that's key. Uh, we are in a day and an age where the paradigm of hiring full-time positions for multiple staff people, I think, is starting to really shift and change. And uh, it's been my experience and, and, and my passion and where I've invested a lot of time and effort in is, is trying to staff a church in a very non-traditional way to accomplish the church's mission without trying to have this huge personnel budget. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds crazy, but it works if you go about it the right way. That's right. Uh, Mark is mentioning maybe that that person you're wanting to hire, it might not might not benefit your church to hire one full-time person to fill that position, but what if you had the opportunity to hire two or even three part-time people to fill multiple positions that would benefit your church even greater? So the hiring process of, of, of doing that, uh, a lot of people immediately go to all of these outside resources. You know, they go to their uh, local association or their, their state office or, you know, there's all these uh, search databases that you can look through resumes on. How amazing would it be, instead of looking outside of your church, 
is you started looking inside your church. That's right. And maybe if you see the need coming on down the road, maybe it's not an immediate need right now. What if you started not just grooming someone, what if you started discipling and equipping someone who could lead that ministry who's part of your church? They've already got the the sweat equity. They already have bought into the mission of your church. And, you know, they've already built relationships. Some of those key things. What if... What if that happened? I mean, I think it would transform the the culture of a lot of churches to to think, all right, how do we hire from within and without? We've heard it said, it's better to to build them than go and buy them. That's right. I think the approach of trying to to bring in a hired gun to accomplish a task, um, those days may not be over for large churches, but I think it should be Mm -hmm. because that approach doesn't work. Uh, so just to give you an example. So, uh, again, we've learned this the hard way. I, I have made some awful hires um, in my ministry career by trying to bring in the hired gun. I was looking at skills. I was looking at, you know, reputation and, and all this. And, and sometimes it worked out, but a lot of times it was a train wreck, quite honestly. And so currently right now, just to give you kind of a picture of, of where we're coming from, you know, we always talk about normal-sized churches or normative churches. Um, that's where we are. We pastor those churches. And so we've got seven staff members on our church right now, seven. Out of those seven staff members, um, two of them are volunteer staff members. And I want to say that because you heard me right. They're volunteer staff members. That means they do not get paid. Uh, but they are as much a part of our staff team as anybody who's paid. It's not that we value them less. It's their life situation. They they. They either are retired or they have full-time jobs and they don't want to you know, work here uh, for pay. And so we have two, uh, seven staff members. Two of them are, are volunteer staff. Um, and then we have four uh, part-time or bivocational staff members. And then I'm the only full-time staff member. And I'm co-vocational myself. And so uh, that's our staff team. Now, here's what's crazy. Out of, out of those other six, so I'm, I'm the pastor, out of those other six staff members, every single one of them was either a member of our church before we hired them, uh, except one. So all the rest were members of our church before we brought them on staff. Uh, And all of them have either been discipled by me or by someone I discipled. And so every single one of them. And so it's, it's, it's a unique situation. I've never had it, and it's the best staff team I've ever been around. I told them that yesterday in our staff meeting. Um, I'm loving ministry because of them. And and so, to me, they're my dream team. But they are all—they were already all except one were here already, and the other one was in our community already. So he, you know, he's familiar with the community. And so, uh, what I've—what we do—I'll just tell you our approach. I'm not saying again it's perfect, but we we typically try to bring people on volunteer staff first or very, very, very part-time staff. Uh, again, most of them are in-house, and they get a taste of ministry, um, and and you know we put them in areas that they're passionate about. And uh, they get an idea of what our, our church is all about, how the staff works. And then as it continues, we make them more substantially part-time, uh, still part-time. And, you know, one day, we're not there yet, but one day we may bring them on full-time, mm-hmm. um, you know, if that's what God's you know, plan is. But that's kind of our approach. Uh, we want to, to bring people, up, disciple them up, and, uh, and then bring them on the staff team kind of when the cream rises to the, the top. Yeah, I think that maybe a future episode we talk about uh, size dynamics, what it looks like in a different size church to staff or to uh, facilitate things and to lead change and stuff like that might be a good topic. But uh, I think most of the people who watch or listen are probably in the same boat we are. Maybe they don't have 
this ginormous budget where they can just go hire anybody they want to, you know, go 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 rob or steal somebody from another church and make them a better offer to to come to their church. Uh, what we're talking about here is is such a big change that you're not going to see this happen overnight. It's going to be something that you invest in over time. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, you know, Mark's been here long enough now. He's starting to see that investment. Uh, really have benefits, fruits starting to to bear from from planting those seeds and watering those seeds and seeing some of those great things happen. So uh, many times what people want by hiring someone outside is they want instantaneous results. They want somebody with a resume and with a record and with the the charisma to come in and lead that ministry or that key area and they want to see instantaneous results. You know, they want to see maximum results for what they're investing in somebody. And that's that's okay. I'm not saying that's terrible, but you got to think long haul. You know, if you're thinking for the future of your church and for the future of the families in your church and the community that your church is in, I mean, how how awesome would it be for your church to be a hub to build people up, invest in them, and equip them, and and not only let them lead in the local church. I think that's going to change the sending capacity of a yes. church to be able to build people up. And what if what if you trained? Equipped and gave somebody experience as a staff member in your church, and then all of a sudden, maybe they are such a dynamic leader that they would be a better fit at another church or to church plant. Or you know, I mean, the 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 limits are, I mean, are not there That's when right. you start thinking that way. You're limiting yourself by hiring somebody from the outside and putting that pressure on them to to come in and, right. and demand results from them. So. Uh, and that's where that whole character comes in. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier, you're watching people, you're investing in people, you're discipling people, you're seeing that character lived out in their life. And it's kind of hard to mislead someone who's already been a part of a church for a while before you give them those opportunities. They already know who you are. They already know your warts and your <laughs> faults and you know, right. and all those things about you. And you know enough about them that you know that that could be a good fit. And the other thing I've found too is it, it may be the whole dynamic of, all right, this person is is a person of character and you try to equip them to serve in a certain area and all of a sudden you see you know what maybe they would be a better fit over here mm. and and the the benefit of doing that is is you know that person's not going to run off and leave your church they're not going to go look for a better job somewhere else they're investing in they're committed to your church so they'd That's be right. willing to make those necessary changes to help them right. with their gifting and passion and experience and, and those kind of things so uh, I think I think what we're talking about may be crazy enough to work because I think it kind of is. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is crazy. And yeah. it is a different, we understand yeah. it's a different approach. But I guess our, our, our hope this conversation is to challenge you to think a little bit, mm-hmm. to, to reconsider, think outside the box. Uh, and you look, I, I've had to do that. You know, we've had some interviews and, and conversations on this podcast. Um, with church leaders that have challenged my thinking, mm-hmm. especially on what you mentioned before about the exporting. And, and you know, over the last year, actually uh, in the last nine months, um, we've had two staff members that uh, were part-time staff members that were on our team uh, that we've exported. And it was a beautiful thing. Uh, it was very hard to say goodbye to both of them. One moved to a different city and is going to be used by God eventually to be a church planner. And another one obviously uh, exported, moved to another city as well, and uh, is serving on staff at another church now. And uh, just actually got a position at another church. And so um, those kind of things are 
when we're thinking about hiring people and you know uh, bringing in experts, that hurts when they leave when you do it that way. It hurts mm-hmm. even worse, not because of relationship, but because you feel like you've been betrayed, right? And they're leaving for the better, greener pasture. Uh, but in our case, it hurt only because the relationship isn't going to be as close in proximity physically. Mm-hmm. But man, it was such a blessing because now our church has connection to those other churches, and right. we believe we have sent missionaries Amen. on the field. And that is a game changer. But we brought them up from membership, and they got training, equipping, got a taste of ministry, and now they are serving elsewhere. And it's just, it's a blessing. It really is. And it is a paradigm shift. And uh, so we wouldn't expect your church or your staff team to change overnight. And we certainly don't recommend you go fire everybody and, you know, anything like that. But maybe reconsider how the next time you need to bring a staff member on. Think about the process and consider how you maybe can do it differently. Yeah. How, how do we hire the right person? Well, I mean, obviously, you can't ignore the first step, and that is you got to pray. That's right. you gotta, you got to pray and ask the Lord to lead you, to lead your church, and to, read, to lead the right person to, to be ready to, to step up and take that. But, I mean, don't ignore the elephant in the room. Maybe you're praying about a person who you think is going to come in and from the outside and, and from some other church or from seminary and come in and magically change the culture of your church. Maybe that person is in your small group right now. That's right. Maybe that person you're having coffee with once a week and you're, you're doing life with and you're investing in them. So maybe that person's right under your nose and you never even realize it. And you, God can allow you to give them a chance mm-hmm. to, to continue to do that. And, and let me just say, make sure your key leaders in your church are constantly discipling people, mm-hmm. but also constantly giving them opportunities to, to raise up the next person to fill their spot. Because yes. just like Mark said, you never know when you're going to send somebody out. You never know when a life change is going to happen. And uh, you're, you're constantly building that farm system. That's right. And it's an amazing thing. So, uh, so we just wanted to encourage you that yeah. with that today, to think through something in maybe a different way. Maybe maybe some of you in seminary were taught this is how you hire. You know, you get a search committee, you get the resumes, you go through the interview process, and you know you have them come in for the view of the call and, right. and have the official vote. Well, whatever is in your church bylaws, obviously you're going to have to go by your church's guiding documents. But uh, maybe you can step back and rethink the That's traditional right. way of doing things and think. You know, maybe maybe there is a better way. Maybe we've had several oopses in a row with hiring uh, people and we just don't know what to do next. Maybe the yeah. answer is to, to build them up to, to fill those positions. That's right. Maybe not a setup or a blind date, but courtship. Imagine <laughs> that. It still works. Well, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode and this conversation. And we hope it's encouraged you and equipped you to lead in the local church. Yeah, we hope this episode helps you maybe hire the next person from within that's going to be a blessing in helping you make disciples in your church. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app.